Hello and welcome to The Jerick Show. My name is Javad Malik. On this week's episode, we talk about the art of ransomware without ransomware. When a daughter becomes a revenger, why Superman is bad, and why AI is the new The Dog Ate My Homework. All this and more on this action-packed episode of The Jerick Show. Welcome to The Jerick Show. Featuring your hosts, Javad Malik and Eric Krohn. Timely topics, poorly presented. How you doing, Eric? I'm wonderful. Glad to be here. And you know, your intro there, there's something you forgot to mention in that intro, Javad. Something really big. If I'm not mistaken, you're trying for a world record right now. What was it? it was, was it powerlifting? Was it... Um, like like long distance jet skiing was it alligator wrestling what what was it you were doing the 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 record for most consecutive podcasts with an absolute imbecile and uh... <laughs> you must be talking about host unknown huh yes no that imbeciles <laughs> that's the the second one i'm going for no, no, seriously, though, you, we're, we're doing one, uh, trying to do one for uh, most uh, views of what, a, a security awareness training video? Right, that's right. So there's uh, most views for a security awareness training video in 24 hours. And we can pop the link here. I don't think we're going to get this out to the public in enough time. I, I'm doubting that, yeah. But yeah, we, we recorded it. So we, as in no before, done it in collaboration with... Um, one login. Oh, cool. So I, cool. I had a small session where I, I spoke for 15 minutes on uh, security awareness. And then uh, their, their person, Neve, uh, she spoke about doing a conducting a tabletop exercise and walked through the importance of one and how you do one. So it was themed around ransomware, but it's all about security awareness. It was, it was really well done. There was lots of questions coming in because it was live streamed. And so there's lots of very good questions that came in. And, you know, the, you do these things when they are outside of your normal security bubble and you begin to appreciate and realize how things we take for granted, people don't take for granted. They, they, it's, yeah. it's, it's a new concept for them, an alien concept. And I really always think that we, you know, we need to make it more accessible somehow because it's, it's very easy to fall into that echo chamber discussion of this all. Yeah, you know, um, first of all, you said ransomware. I'm just shocked that people still want to know about that or that we still talk about that, right? That's still going on? Anyways, <laughs> um, sarcasm aside, being National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, you know, we're doing a lot of employee training and stuff too, which is interesting because like you said, you end up getting questions that you're you're kind of like, wow, okay, I didn't realize that people didn't even know this. And I'm talking a lot about scams. I'm talking a lot about stuff. I'm trying to prep people for the holidays in my talks um, because we know that around Christmas and the holidays, the scams, they go crazy. And and I'm trying to keep people from getting ripped off. So we're doing a lot of those talks, but you're right. You get these questions that you're like, that seems kind of basic, but we're not dealing with security pros or even IT people. We're dealing with accountants. We're dealing, these are the people that are being targeted. So we have to step back and we have to remember that, that these people may not be as technically savvy as we are. And these are intelligent people. It's, yeah. uh, you actually begin to realize when someone out of the blue says to you, oh, can you explain what multi-factor authentication is, how it works? And all of a sudden you think, well, okay, everything I normally talk about are preconceived notions. 
and this person maybe doesn't have any they just know that they enter a password and 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 um, uh, to log in uh, so how do you distill that into a really short sound bite that they will understand and it gives them something actionable to go off and and deliver yeah you you kind of have to leave out the details kind of like the old south park what was it the underwear gnomes step 1 steal underwear step 2 question mark step 3 profit right you just you just leave out all the details and just let them know that yeah this is this is what you should do shut up and do it right is that is that the angle you take that that's pretty much it yeah yeah that's pretty much it now shut up and let's get on with the stories yeah 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 so, first story 30 minutes or less is this the autobiography of you your your life story no that's 3 minutes or less uh, anyway rapid attack exhort orgs without ransomware so this is ransomware without ransomware how does this work eric yeah so the idea here is um you know we've gotten much better at doing backups okay and uh and so we can restore data pretty decently the real threat came in 2019 with ransomware with maze where they started exfiltrating data well apparently these folks have said well let's not waste our time with the whole actually encrypting stuff because they'll recover that anyways Let's just steal the data and turn around and leverage that and extort them based on the fact that we have their data and we're ready to dump it out on the internet live. So they're just skipping that whole tedious process of actually encrypting everything and just going, we stole your data, now pay us. Hmm, pretty right. efficient. Yeah, that is efficient. What's interesting, though, is that for me, ransomware was the... Uh, explosion which they don't look back at as they're walking away from the organization with all the data in hand <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It, it's that kind of cool bad guy moment because yeah, yeah. it's it doesn't you're right it recovering for ransomware for for companies that have got backups it doesn't cost them anything the the real loss is the fact that they've had their data stolen from them and so we we but it is a very big signal to show everyone their employees, their their partners, and everyone. Oops, we can't do business right now because we are, uh, you know, and we have been ransomware. So I think that kind of adds to the pressure of yeah. someone acknowledging. Otherwise, how do you prove that you have stolen something? Well, I mean, like they yeah. do now, they they have the dark web page and they dump basically folder structures and sample data and stuff, so they can prove it, but. But you're right, there's a pressure that comes with that, and especially in an organization that may offer services. Okay, so you think about municipalities or cities, things like that, that all of a sudden can't, uh, you can't pay your, your electric bill, your water bill, or whatever's through them. You can't issue marriage licenses like we saw in Atlanta. You know, that kind of stuff puts a huge amount of pressure in those kind of um, service facing industries. But for your typical widget maker, it may not be that big a deal. Sure, you may have to say, hey, there was a problem. Um, you know, orders are going to run slow, but we can always blame that on COVID. Like everyone blames everything that runs behind right now. Um, we'll just blame it on COVID. Oh, yeah, it's in a ship somewhere offshore waiting for for blah, 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 blah. Right. And, and everyone just goes, oh, OK, it's cool. Um, so you could almost kind of cover some of that up in those areas. But in those service facing ones, no way. That's where the ransom really does it. And what's interesting about this, uh, this story about just skipping right to the extortion thing is, you know, we've talked about it before. There was that plastic surgery clinic here in Florida that got hit 
and they weren't going to pay a ransom. So what happened? They started reaching out to the uh, to the patients of that going, hey, if I don't get some money, um, the pictures of your before and after plastic surgery stuff going to be dumped on the Internet. And that put a lot of pressure on the organization, whether or not it was encrypted. It didn't matter. That was a huge lever to try to get some money out of that. Would you ever go for plastic surgery or have you had any plastic surgery? Oh, certainly. What would you go with first? I know there's a long list of things you'd like to get done. I'm just, I'm not even going there. I'm just not going there. I'll just find the details <laughs> on the dark web then. <laughs> no, I'm going to, I'm going to start, I'm going to start um, dyeing my beard. I don't know. You know, if we look at some past episodes of you. Hey, so the next story, a woman <laughs> is arrested for packing into Florida flight training school systems and tampering with airplane information, including including clearing some aircraft with maintenance issues for takeoff. Cops say the attack was in retaliation after father was fired. That's a lot to take in, um, but it's that's a huge title. Who who came up with this? It ran it through a title <laughs> assessment generator. That's like the whole story in the headline. Uh, yeah, no SEO needed for this article. No, it's all no. there. Yeah. But so she so her father was a director at this mm -hmm. flight training school. Um she he was fired. She she worked there also. She worked there also. So she, she then retained her access, did she? Well, she quit. She said, I'm out of here. And one way or another, she ended up getting back into the to the system. Prop, my guess is they shared passwords and, and people don't fix that kind of stuff, right? Because who in the world would go do something like this? Well, I got to tell you, Javad, I'm going to let you in on a little bit of my expertise here, too. And oh. uh, so I'm going to give you my bona fides here. I actually used to do IT at a place where we also ran what's called an FBO operation, the fixed base operation at an airport. So I've actually been involved with this firsthand. And I can tell you, in my professional opinion, this is a bad thing. That's how I would classify it. Thank you for your wisdom. <laughs> right, right. Because without all of my background and knowledge, you would never know that this is bad. But no, no what she did, what she did was was crazy, actually. She um, deleted a bunch of records for the aircraft there. Um, and she even marked aircraft that was requiring maintenance that had issues as being flight worthy because it's not bad enough just to wipe the record so nobody flies. Let's take the planes that are barely hanging on by a thread and let's mark them as airworthy and then the world will be a happy place. Um, so it was this was actually really nasty and could have ended up being pretty bad. Um, now, the flight school noticed that, hey, wait a minute, a bunch of our planes are missing, which is usually a sign of something. And so they grounded everything until they could basically restore the data and find out and, and realize that that happened. Well, lo and behold, she was arrested. What a shocker that is. Um, you know, it goes back to this insider threat or ex-employee threat. You know, we, we saw something years ago in San Francisco where... Uh, one of the the admins there, he was like the only guy that knew like the FiberWAN network. Yeah. And uh, he was I think he was terminated and retained access, went in, had all the passwords, had all the information and wouldn't give it up. 
just basically said no, no. And uh, and of course, there were law enforcement involved with that. It didn't end well for him. Um, but these are dangers that, you know, sometimes we don't think about this. We, we have these employees that um, obviously he didn't do a good job if he got fired or maybe, you know, maybe it was a single event. I don't know. Um, but we always have to be skeptical of our employees, even if they're good employees, because you never know how they're going to lose their minds uh, if something happens and you have to let them go. And, and this is something she done in like it was quite obvious to see. Now, had she been a bit more devious and she'd only deleted, uh, cleared some planes for takeoff that were grounded, but not all of yeah. them, just maybe a third of them. You know, she's being in Florida, you're in Florida, you could have had a plane falling down in your backyard. Yeah, unfortunately, these things do happen. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's definitely something. And I don't know, have you ever been part of a, a mass layoff event? Uh, in an organization where you were in security, Javad? Not a mass layoff, but um, being in one of those mergers and acquisitions, which were really horrible cultures to be in. <laughs> gotcha. Where, where you've been acquired and like nobody. nobody well, I worked it. for a manufacturing place uh, right after 9-11. And when that happened, they froze all of these contracts, right? And so um, we did aerospace manufacturing and we ended up having to let go about half of our staff like 250 people in one day. And then of course there's all these things that, that I never thought of, you know, you do it on a Friday. So if they're going to go all shooty, they have the weekend to calm down before Monday and come in. There's actually thought and steps in things like this. And it was horrible for the company. I mean, the, the, uh, the president of the company, the owners, they were beside themselves. Honestly, they were so, so sad to have to let this happen. This was like their family but it had to happen. And we were concerned, you know, and, and you're, you're in there, you're, you're trying to, to kill access as fast as you possibly can on 250 people. Um, there's things that happen, you know, that you start thinking, Hey, what systems did they have access to? Do they have a password in this? Do they have a password in that? And that's where you find out really quickly how sloppy uh, identity and access management can be in an organization. Oh, don't get me started on IDAM. It's <laughs> I've been in some zingers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, I think we um, beat that horse to death. Are you a Marvel or DC fan, Eric? Um, you know, probably more of a Marvel fan, honestly. Mostly because of the movies. I'm not a, a huge superhero person, anyways. But the movies are pretty good. Yeah, same here. I, I've never been into comics and what have you. Although I always found Superman the most one of the most boring superheroes just because he could do pretty much everything he was fast as the flash he was strong as whatever he could fly anywhere he could shoot lasers he was just a bit bit of a pointless superhero and i'm justified in thinking that because it's also superman is also a pointless password to choose <laughs> that so, certainly makes sense huh yes yes so, so uh what's this about and, yeah it's about people who use superhero names as passwords, and uh, the top 10 names most used as passwords were Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, Wolverine, Iron Man, Wonder Woman, Daredevil, Thor, Black Widow, ba- Black Panther. See, I think Black Widow and Black Panther, at least they're slightly longer, but who chooses Thor as a password? Which websites allow you to choose Thor as a password? Bring me the head of the developer. <laughs> that is <that's laughs> shocking. If you're... Well, I have to wonder, are these are these paired with other things? 
Is um, it like Superman wears great undies? Or, I mean, I, I you can't tell me that their their password is just Superman, can you? Uh, this is by NordPass, and uh, their password ones. So they say, like, in 2020, 123456 was the most commonly used password. But these Shocker. are the most common. These are the most common superhero name ones that that they found. That's ridiculous. And, and this just goes back to, um, you know, you're you're playing old dictionary attacks that have been going on for years. So if a word's in a dictionary, don't use it. That's kind of the the suggestion that we always give people. Uh, these <laughs> are bad passwords. I mean, and, and this is the thing like developers. Even if you can't force users to use. I mean, you can because you can put these as a blacklist, and the system can say, "If hey, this is a weak password, yeah. don't use it." And then what people do is put Superman with the S as a dollar and <laughs> an exclamation mark at the end. <laughs> that will be their password. So okay, I, I got to tell you, man, you're raining on my parade. I'm working so hard this October trying to get people to do the right thing, and then you pop in with crap like this. And you're like, and this is all you got to do is a, a capital, you know, uh, replace it with a, a dollar sign. And it just it just drains all of the motivation and life out of me. I don't think I'm getting out of bed tomorrow. I'm just going to lay in bed and cry. Sob yeah. softly to myself. Dollar Superman 2021. And then after December, you can update it to 2022. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, oh, it's so frustrating. You know, another one, there was one a uh, while back, uh, Microsoft found... Like local sports teams are huge passwords uh, for people. Over here, we have that game called football. You guys call it egg toss or something like that. I don't know. But football. It's, yeah, yeah. Um, and but, rugby. But, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, they found that in, in these people, you know, you could tell on the cities that they were in. And, and a lot of times they would have that sports team was their password or at least most of their password. Um. I just I don't know how we get this information out anymore, Javad, that these things are problems. This is really bad for an organization. You know, I have this slide. It's got the the knight in full armor and it's like million dollar, you know, multi-million dollar uh, security program. And then uh, it's got password reuse and the arrows right through the middle of the slit in the visor. You know, it, it's like that. And I, I try to tell people. Once you've authenticated, the system's going to let you do things because you have to do work. Right. But they're just not careful with these passwords. And we see it over and over and over again. Reused passwords or utter crap passwords are the way that these things start. I just don't know how to get that across any better. Well, I, I think in, in, in defense of the users of these passwords, and just to contradict you because I love doing that, it's <laughs> <laughs> when this advice, we started dispensing it, people mainly only had three passwords they need to remember. They had the work email, their home email, and maybe one other thing. And now you don't know, really. You've probably got hundreds of accounts you've set up that you know. So choosing something unique and strong and long and complex and everything is not the easy way to go about it, which is why I think it's, yeah, we can tell people to use unique long passwords. Good. We can ask them to use a password manager if that helps. But then we're asking people to make a, a commitment in term in terms of money and also resources like it's it's another hurdle in their way it is it is and, and then so, so i think more onus or equal onus should be put on the providers to say hey offer 
turn on MFA by default, for example. Yeah. Scan the dark web for password dumps. Like I, I think Azure does this. Um, it, it will say, hey, you're using the, a password that was breached in uh, in another thing, so it won't let you use that. Have these blacklists in place so that you can't use dictionary words or common superhero names or your favorite football team or, or uh, team's name. I think all of these things, when, when you layer it, so you make it difficult for people to use this uh, from, from a provider perspective and there's some monitoring in place, and then we encourage people. I think we need a bit of both from both ends to to make it whole. What was that BJ Fogg quote? It's uh, humans are uh, something about um, we as humans are lazy, lazy social, social, and creatures of habit design. Yeah, designed yeah. for this thing. Yes. And you're right. I mean, if we just tell users, hey, to get to your email, you have to take extra steps. Awesome. Go do it. That's going to suck to them. They're going to be like, why? I used to just log in with my username and password. Now I have to do this extra step to do exactly the same thing. If they don't understand it, it's not going to be something they're going to want to do. But I got to say, banks have done a good job of this. They're just kind of like, and you will use multi-factor. Where do we, they don't say, would you like us to text you a code? They say, where do we text the code? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and and I think we almost need to get a little bit more of that going on these days uh, where we're just going, do you want to get a text message or do you want to use Google Authenticator? Because you're not going any further without one of those, you know, and there's obviously other options, but yeah. I, I almost feel like we got to get that way. Well, that's the business model. Banks already have your money, and, and they, they, they're going to keep it safe. Yeah, they don't. You're willing to fight to get to the money that you yeah, already have, exactly, as opposed to exactly. So there's an incentive there. If, if I set up a new website that's offering some service, or it's a new social media site called the Jerick uh, Jerick Media or something, then <laughs> trademark. By the way, no one, no one go register that. But if we set that up. We want to make it as frictionless as possible to gain as many users as possible because that's what the VCs are looking at. They're not, I mean, we're not making money from from people using the service, but we want to show VCs, hey, look, we're we're in double digit growth. We, we've you know we're quadrupling the number of registered users we have every every week. Who cares if half of them are bots? Yeah. And, uh, and we're VCs, up to ten. Yeah, yeah <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> hey, that's more than we get viewers on this, but <laughs> absolutely. But I think all of these things um, re really make uh, you know a difference. So maybe regulation is the way to go. Maybe it should be illegal to have a website on the internet that doesn't offer really strong authentication or a passwordless type of. Type Can of you website. imagine though? I mean, you know, there's times you go to these websites to buy one little thing. You know, you're never going to go back, and now you have to give them your phone number too. Right. And now you have to and, and, you know, thinking this through, I can see all these reasons that it would that it would irritate people. I just want to buy this widget and it won't let me check out as guest. So now I have to create an account and I have to secure the account and I have to get MFA. No, you're it's definitely a challenge. Smart people, which are not running this show, obviously, but smart people tell us how this is done and we will help. I think this is why Amazon is so, so popular now. And, and I speak from personal experience. Sometimes I can see that I can go to a retailer directly and buy the thing from there. But it's for the same price on Amazon, or maybe it's a, a couple of pounds more expensive. But they have to buy it now. One click button. It says, I'm already registered there. They already have my details. I'll just click it. And I know within 24 hours, it will be at my door. 
And if I want to return it, I can. Re it's just so easy. Whereas if I go directly to the retailer, like you said, I can't check out as a guest. I have to give them all this information. I have to do this. I, I, I trust Bezos more than I trust some retailer. <laughs> it's not a good time to get me started on Amazon either because there's, there's a trend I've noticed with them. And I don't know if you see it over there or not, but I've had it happen a few times now. You know, it's this whole... Uh, check out with 35 bucks in your cart and you'll get it free by tomorrow or by today or whatever. And you're like, okay, so you pile extra crap in your cart, you check out, and then they send you an email like when it's supposed to be delivered and go, oh yeah, so not actually going to be delivered on time. And you're like, but it's guaranteed. And they're going, yeah, but you didn't really pay for it. Um, and I've had this happen a number of times to me now where stuff is like two or three days late and they're just like, ah, the guarantee is worthless. Anyways, that's just me kind of venting here over some recent stuff. Yeah. I have Amazon Prime, so I get. So do I. So do I. But they're they're like missing deadlines over here quite a bit, and they just kind of go, ah, yeah. It says it's guaranteed, but we we tried. They need a bigger whip to flog their delivery drivers with, because clearly they they make life too easy for them. Uh, uh, okay, so remember a year or so ago, there was this German CEO who phoned up the head of in the UK and said transfer like 200k to uh, this bank in the Cayman Islands or something, and he did it, and then they found out it wasn't, and there was this whole thing about, oh, it was a deep fake voice. Well, it's happened again in the UAE, um, and uh, so a fraudster cloned company director's voice in $35 million bank heist. So what happened is um, someone got a phone call. Let me just find where it is. Okay, a bank manager in the UAE got a call from a man whose voice he recognized, a director at a company with whom he'd spoken before. The director had good news. They were going to make an acquisition, so he needed the bank and authorized some transfers of $35 million. A lawyer had been hired to, con to, to coordinate it. He got emails from the lawyer telling him when to make the payments, where they needed to go, and what have you. What he didn't know was that he'd been duped as part of this elaborate swindle, one in which the fraudster had used a deep voice technology cloned the director's speech according to a court document unearthed by Forbes in which the blah, 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 they, whatever. So there's the thing that, okay, I feel sorry for the person that got duped. Uh, always always sympathies with the, with the victim. There's nothing in this story that actually compels me to believe that it, there was a deep fake actually used. It could have been anyone uh, who just pretended to be, sounded similar to them, maybe had a, the same, you know, maybe it was a voice actor. I mean, it's it's just so hard to tell. Uh, I, I mean, there's no, like the first one we, we read about like a year or so ago, there was never ever actually any evidence provided to support it's, it's more of an urban myth. There's a deep voice, you know, going on that can that can trick people and what have you. And yet yeah, the technology exists. But is it really? Is it really? I'm with you on that. I, I mean, it, there's no proof of it. It's somebody going, but but I'm quite sure before I sent that $35 million to the wrong place, it was obviously 
a super elaborate hoax uh, with deep fake technology pulled off by future space aliens or something. I mean, it's slightly more believable than aliens. Um, and, and I'm not you're, like you said, I'm not saying it's not out there, but, you know, I've played around with this stuff a little bit. Um, and, you know, I've played around with AI based stuff and it's not quite right yet. Um, we're, we're making progress and, and I think that it's going to happen, but I really, really think we're just not there yet. And I think this is another case of, of somebody being absolutely positive that what they heard was this person. And so the only option that they can come up with short of space aliens is it was a deep fake. Yep. Yep. It's the new dog ate my homework. It, it really, it kind of feels that way. And I, I, I have no doubt we're going to start seeing this in the future. But when we do, we're not just going to see it once every year or two. Right. We're going to see these things going on. Um, and, you know, should organizations start thinking about this? Sure. Here's my thoughts. If you're going to go ahead and, and transfer thirty five million dollars for somebody, you might want to be recording those calls. And if you can record those calls, then you could throw them in some forensics uh, and and have some proof to show people that, hey, here you go. Because there's tells. Um, there are things with these these voice changers that, you know, our ears and our brains, they filter things and they fill in portions that are missing quite often. And what will happen is a lot of times in these, there will be sounds that you physically can't make with your tongue. You can't move it from one side of your mouth to the other to make this sound. Um, and the AI makes that sound. Now yeah. our brains, you know, we, we fill these things in, but yeah, there's ways to tell through the, the digital forensics and stuff with this, but you know, lo and behold, nobody happens to have a copy of that, that I've seen or has shown any real proof other than the dog ate my homework. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you're right. I think also banks typically have more controls in place when you, so I have a daily transfer limit. If I want to exceed that, I can't just phone up the bank and say, hey, it's Mr. Malik calling. I authorize that whatever money to, to go. Uh, at the very least, even if I in, in my app, I try to ex in, extend it, they'll text me or I have to go into the app, which is secured and, and authorize it that way. Maybe I'll have to go into the branch with some ID to prove, you know, there's, yeah. there's a whole number of steps in place. You can't just say, I know I've spoken to that customer once before. Of course, it's Mr. Crone. Of course, he wants me to, you know, amend his will so that he leaves everything to his friend in London. So, you know, it's. Uh, <laughs> Leave it's, Tom it's, out of this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hate you. No, you're right. And there are there are steps. I've heard of even some larger wealth management places doing things like one time passwords, like a one time pad yeah. per day that they give to somebody at the beginning of the year or quarter or something like that, that if that person's going to make it, they have it. The other side has it. And they say, here's my passphrase for today. We're talking about millions of dollars here. This isn't 20 bucks to grow grab breakfast at, at Starbucks or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the good ones will be doing stuff like that too. It, it does. It just seems weird. There's, there's pieces missing here. It is, it is. It's very, it's uh, very bizarre. And, and I'll call it. Yeah. I'll, I'll say at right, right now. The bank manager was in cahoots with the company. <laughs> they agreed to transfer $35 million out and they're going to split the money down the line. So if the feds keep their eye on them, 
I guarantee that bank manager is going to be buying a yacht in the near future. Right. He's so distraught he can't work anymore and has to go retire in in, in the Cayman Islands or something. Uh, good point. Good point. We'll watch that one, okay? <laughs> yeah. Oh, to make a prediction like that. So, so um, I, I'm just looking. There, there's actually a court document in there as well. Uh, like a court document is it's very difficult to read and understand so i can't skim read it and digest it and and but there's nothing i can i can find in that so far but um but yeah i, th I think what it is is that what what people need to remember is the the deep fake even if it is a deep fake yeah that's not the story people focus on that as if that's the story the story is that your processes are so weak that if someone could impersonate someone else you don't have checks and balances to send out that much money you know that's the real story your processes are weak you are weak hit the bricks and get out of here pal but 100 <laughs> um, agree yeah wow what you agree with me i do uh, that is a massive bombshell i think we should just end the episode on that note you know so, i agree yes he agrees and uh, on that note, we are leaving the episode. That wasn't a very good one. I'll yeah, bring no. you back. I, I, that, that was a bit you, lame. You do this every week. It really upsets me. I have feelings too. And I. Okay, now he's just whining. So we will just end it there. Thank you very much for joining us on this week's uh, Jarek Show. And James McQuiggan, you missed out. We invited you on and you ignored our messages and you didn't show up. So, no. Nah.